Good evening, all you beautiful KZNers. It's a privilege for me to be with you this evening. Thank you for the invite. I have the opportunity to share with you this evening, and I want to talk about courageous leadership. I think it's something that we are lacking in the world, in government, in the church. We can always be better, better leaders. And I think we also lack in courage. I feel that many of us have been intimidated by the world, uh, by the church. And so I'm not saying that I'm one that has courage or is a great leader, but I do pursue those things and I want to share some of that with you and hopefully give you a bit of courage. This has been a wonderful time, hasn't it? This whole lockdown uh, pandemic period. It's, uh, it's been unusual, it's been challenging, it's been tough, but at the same time, it's given us, given us a beautiful, wonderful opportunity to discover our leadership skills, gifts, talents, responsibilities, and actually to grow in them. And so uh, let me share with you a few scriptures. We, we see that the, the Bible is full of uh, scriptures that want to give us courage as leaders. Uh, when Joshua was about to succeed Moses and take the Israelites into the promised land, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, as Moses said to Joshua, he said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, the enemy, or the giants. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that a, a wonderful promise? He will go with us. He's with us now. He'll go before us, and he will never leave nor forsake us. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17, he says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Once again, another call to courage. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 14. Paul is talking to the, the church in Ephesus. He says, finally, after giving them all the different instructions, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I tell you, there's been a lot of schemes going on in this pandemic period, I think. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full arm of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. So there's some wonderful encouragement to us here. And I want to encourage you to be strong and to be courageous. And uh, so on the, the courage theme, I want to talk about the courage to be authentic and the courage to be wild. Maybe fearless is a, is a better word. And the uh, Bible tells us the world hates us. And I've, I've found, well, I've found over this period of time, I've come under a lot of criticism and attack. And, and, and the church has globally, I mean, I was in the boxing gym the other day. And I was talking about us opening up and the, this one fighter, cage fighter said, you know, why is the church opening up and restaurants op aren't opening up? And who says the church is more important? And I just thought like, actually, I, I actually uh, attacked the guy uh, verbally, not physically, because he would have killed me. I just said, listen, buddy, you, you, you strong in your own cage. I would never get in your cage, but don't get in my cage, you know, just stay out of this. And I put him in his place, actually, which was a, felt good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Stop laughing, Claire. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're afraid to speak the truth, I find. I f maybe I'm generalizing and maybe I'm, you know, missing it. But I, I find the church has, has, has 
is, being, is under pressure to, to, to keep quiet and not to speak out. And there's a lot of truths that we, we're too scared because the, the cancel culture is huge. And if we say things uh, that could be perceived unloving or lacking of compassion, we would rather not go there. And, and that's outside. But what about within? I find the, the church wants to tame us. The people in the church want to tame us. And, you know, when I read my Bible, I see these disciples and the apostles. They were wild, man. They were, were murdered and beaten and stoned and imprisoned. And, you know, we like uh, have one bad Facebook or Google review and we're devastated. Um, imagine if we were thrown into jail. So, you know, I, I do understand that uh, every church has a personality, has a style, like ourselves and maybe those of you that are listening to me this evening maybe my style and my personality doesn't do it for you and that's fine because we need to be authentic your style may not do it for me your personality not, might not do it for me however you've got people in your church people in our church that enjoy our style and our vibe and so we need to just be ourselves let's be authentic be true to ourselves and um, however this time has been quite challenging for me uh, you know we started uh, the whole online thing we weren't very prepared for for online broadcast we had never done video we'd done a few audios and we put that on the website but we weren't ready to speak into a camera and and uh, it was very intimidating it still is intimidating for me to be speaking into a camera and to perform and to to be all perfect it's it's impossible for me to do and, uh, you know, and the other thing is it's, it's quite intimidating in the sense that some of you are brilliant at it. And, and I think most of us pastors, we did that. We would, you know, especially in the first eight weeks of lockdown, we were, uh, you know, broadcasting our message. And then straight after we'd get onto everybody else's. Well, I did that. I went onto One Life and NCCB and this guy and that guy. And I went all over the place to see how well the guys were doing. And, and, and I fell into the sin of comparison, which, uh, which is devastating because you know I looked at some of the work that some of you are doing I thought cheapest man can you not do a little bit better than that you know and uh, I've you know felt that we were doing better in some ways than others and you start to feel a little bit full of pride but then you see some of the other guys some of you who are brilliant at it and you're like you fall into despair it's like I'm useless I can hardly string four words together <laughs> and like, you know so it was a scary thing I, I, I actually uh, got to a place where I lost a lot of confidence. Even in, in small meeting dialogue, I, 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 I lost my way because of this jolly camera, you know. But, and it was a scary thing. But what was even more scary, and this only happened once or twice, I, I would, you know, the crazy thing is we would, we would film the message and then we would record it and then we would watch it and then we would broadcast it and watch it again and see what everybody else was doing and it was an overload but every now and again there was like a little glimmer I looked and I thought gee jockey you're not too bad actually you did pretty well there but uh, that was even more scary but it only happened maybe once one and a half times but uh, but the problem is we we do compare too much uh, let's just be ourselves and, and we also judge one another and uh, that's not a good thing you know People, if we're authentic, people will overlook our faults and overlook our weaknesses. So my call to you and to myself is let's just be real, courageously, authentically, courageously real. And secondly, let's let's be a bit wild. Now, uh, there's a lot of people uh, around you. Why are you filming me, guys? You, you feel, I, hope you're gonna, I hope you're at least going to hashtag me or something. Eh? 
Oh man, this has been such a jewel just doing this thing. But the next point is to be courageously wild. Um, now I'm not saying I'm a wild guy, I'm a fearless guy. I, I want to be, and I'm, I'm pursuing that. But the reality is, all of us are in different churches, and we have different calls and different places, different responsibilities, different strengths and weaknesses, and gifts and abilities. And we all have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and follow the conviction of our own hearts. Um, and I find that, that many of my brothers and even myself, we fall into the trap of having to try and do the right thing or the moral thing. Now, my Bible doesn't tell me to do the right thing or the moral thing, because what is the right thing and what is the moral thing? But it does tell me to do the obedient thing. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find the voice of the Holy Spirit and follow that conviction with boldness, with fearlessness, with authenticity, and with a bit of wildness. And I came across a few guys that it felt like, and I don't want to judge, but it just felt like they were trying to make every excuse not to meet. It's like, it's like maybe they were lacking confidence. Maybe there's a little bit of fear. What, what, what's the people going to say? What are they going to think? Am I being reckless and careless and irresponsible? And I think, you know, when you follow Jesus, many a time you'll be viewed as such. You know, I even had one of uh, my pastor brothers in the city uh, send me a note, and he was very concerned about my reputation. And I, I felt overwhelmed. I thought, that I, I appreciate that you concerned about my reputation because I haven't really been concerned, and maybe I should be a little bit more concerned. I want to be more concerned about what Jesus is telling me to do and be obedient and follow that. And so... I, I, we've never tried to be clever. I'm not trying to be clever here. I'm trying to be out there. And, uh, you know, I, all I'm trying to do is work through my own convictions and be obedient to God, the Holy Spirit, and do what He said and be a bit wild, you know. And so, uh, you know, this guy, he sent me the letter, a little note, and he said, you know, uh, you've opened up now. The government says you can open up and you're following the letter of the law, but you're not really following the spirit of the law. To which I said, hey, but I don't follow any other spirit but the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not trying to be clever here, but, but I want to follow the, the Holy Spirit. You know, And the government says we can open up. So therefore, the scientists are saying it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all right. We can do it. So I thought maybe we could just open up because the Bible even says that we shouldn't forsake the gathering of the believers. You know, So I'm just trying to follow the word and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so you know, when it came to like the singing, the, the regulation said that we, uh, we can't sing, only, or it said only one person can sing at a time. And it was very vague, and I think they purposefully left it a little vague and a little open. And is that a, are they talking about a choir or a band? And, you know, we had a few guys on the stage, and, um, and people were phoning me and asking me, is this, can you do that? And, and how do you do that? You know, how do you put four people on a stage? I said, oh, it's quite easy. You just put them on the stage and, and let them sing, and, 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 it, and it works. You know? I wasn't trying to be arrogant or clever. It just comes naturally, I know, but I wasn't trying to do that. And so we got together when the government opened on the 6th of June, I think. It was the first Sunday. We had about 50 leaders. We were trying to test the waters and see how the protocol works. And then we went to two meetings and three meetings, and people had their masks on. But I didn't feel I had the right to tell people they couldn't sing. You know, you could say, you, that's irresponsible of you. Well, I, I felt that, you know, if you've got your mask on and you're singing, you, you're safe and, and you've social distanced. And, and I, don't, I feel it was an overreach of my responsibility to tell people they couldn't sing. So we've been singing from the beginning, you know. And uh, 
it says in Psalm 100, is come into his presence with singing. So, so where's your justification for singing, Tony? The law says you can't. Well, the law's a little vague. I've got lawyers on my, on my eldership team, and, and uh, <laughs> they work with me, and they help me. And where's your justification? Well, the Bible says come into his presence with singing. And so we've been singing. In fact, we haven't turned anyone away. We uh, registered 50 people, as was the, the law. But I also felt I couldn't turn anyone away. I, I didn't feel like people could come to the church. I say, listen, the government says only 50. And if you're desperate to meet the Lord, you, you don't know the Lord, you're desperate to meet the Lord, you're desperate for some encouragement, you're suicidal, you need some prayer, is come back next week. <laughs> you know, because the government said, I didn't feel I had that responsibility. Even older people, you know, the, the regulation said, if you're over 60, be careful. It didn't say you couldn't come. I didn't turn anyone away. So, so most Sundays we had one or two or maybe a little bit more than 50. But uh, who's counting anyway? Our home group started to meet in June. You know, we, we started to meet our home groups and, and, you know, some people was always outside. But our own church gave me no trouble. I had very little trouble, maybe one or two people. But, but pastors out of town were phoning me or outside in the local community were calling me. And how do you do it? I said, guys, it's quite easy. Just do it. You know, uh, the regulations said that uh, you can meet 50, but it has to be a designated place of worship. Now, I don't know how you interpret that, but for me, we've been meeting in homes for 20 years, and that's a designated place of worship. I have a high view of worship. I have a high view of doing church in the home, and we would, you know, submit to the apostles' teaching. We would break bread. We'd have communion. We'd pray. We'd fellowship. We would, and for me, our homes are designated places of worship. I'm not trying to be clever here. And it also said you have to have a, a designated, uh, ordained minister. Well, I have a hard view of our deacons and ordination, and they were, in fact, leaders. And so we, we pushed back. Uh, many of our people live in complexes here in Joburg, and we went after the body corporates, and we told them we got all the documents together and the protocol and the ordination certificates. And we said, we are meeting. We're just informing you. We're not asking you. We're informing you. We're meeting in our homes right from early June. And, uh, and our people started move, meeting. One complex gave us trouble. And we, they came with some land act from 1920 or something. And we just thought it wasn't worth arguing with them. But I'm not trying to be clever here. I'm trying to give you a bit of courage. And maybe I'm not giving you courage, but um, maybe I'm teaching you what not to do. But, but this was our conviction. We felt very convicted and very comfortable before the Lord to do what we were doing, and it was wonderful. You know, I felt it was wonderful to be a little bit naughty, or maybe you call it fearless for the gospel. In the first three weeks of lockdown, I got this Zoom call from a couple in our church, and they were devastated. She had just been diagnosed with, with cancerous growths in her, in her neck internally and in her chest, and they were devastated. Two little kids, they were devastated and, and crying on the, over the Zoom call. And I said, listen, if you're happy, I'm, this is lockdown level five. It was hectic. You know when we were scared to even go to the shops? And I phoned one of my elders, Charles. I said, uh, listen, let's go to their house. And uh, we weren't allowed to, but uh, I said to this couple, are you happy? We'll come to your house. We'll keep our distance. We'll wear a mask. We'll come behind you. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll lay hands upon you. I believe in the ministry of laying hands upon people to be healed. And they said they were comfortable. And we got into the car with this guy, Charles. I picked him up at his house. He's a black dude. I'm a white dude. And we're driving down the road there. And, uh, and like we, we had this plan. What if the cops pull us over? What are we going to say? It's like, oh, oh, maybe we should go to the shops as well. And at least we don't have to lie. We can say we're going to the shops. 
But they say, well, you go in the shops, but are you guys living together? <laughs> are, you guys, are you guys together or something? It's like, we didn't know. We were just like fearful. You know, we were scared of the police. What I was even more scared of, Charles had this funny, like a Donald Duck kind of mask on. I said to Charles, just duck down. I don't want people to see me in the car. You look ridiculous, man. Anyway, that was just a, just a joke. But I'm calling us to be a bit more fearless, courageous, and a little bit wild. You know, Daniel, when in the... In the, the Babylon, when he was, there was a decree made that he couldn't pray. Bible says he went straight up to his balcony, opened the doors towards Jerusalem and prayed three times. You know, sometimes we can be a little bit defiant for the sake of the gospel. Um, John MacArthur, who leads Grace Community Church in, uh, in California, uh, America, has been a wonderful inspiration to me. Man, you might think he's a grumpy old man, but he's 81. He's got an old congregation. He wrote a letter to the government. He said, you guys have been unfair, uh, irresponsible. You're putting these restrictions on the church. Casinos have and uh, restaurants have more freedom than us. We are meeting. You are overreaching your responsibility and your authority. And Jesus is the head of the church. And we, we're, going to, uh, we're going to meet. And they met like two, 3,000 people. He got up there and he said, welcome to this protest. And the crowd stood up. And he, I got so much courage from him just to do what Jesus called me to do, not always conform to the pattern of this world. Now, I'm not saying we should be irresponsible or reckless. Now, you might say I'm irresponsible. You might say I'm being reckless. I might say you are. But who measures that? Who, who measures? Where, where's the yardstick of irresponsibility or recklessness? We, we can't judge one another. We need to go with the voice of the Holy Spirit, keep in step with Him and with our own conviction. And so that's a call to courage. The next subject I want to talk on briefly is, is leadership. Now, I've made some observations, and uh, you could say they're flawed, but, but they're still my observations. And I've noticed that, that prevailing and flourishing and fruitful churches have a certain thing in common. And uh, you'd think it's location, you'd think it's the ideal facility or great preaching. In fact, it's not those things. I, I uh, witnessed a church plant a few years ago, or two of them, uh, two friends of mine who planted a church, and they were extremely good orators. They were brilliant. And I thought, this, this, this one particular guy, his church is going to be a 1,000 people within a year. He's a brilliant orator. His church is, is floundering. And I, what is it? I want to submit this observation to you. Flourishing, prevailing, fruitful churches have this in common. They are led by elders with a spiritual gift of leadership. And this is my observation that many churches are not led by leaders. They're led by pastors. They're led by teachers. They're led by administrators, and they don't flourish. And now we're not talking numbers here, but God is into numbers. We need to be making disciples, and we need to be seen. We need to see people coming to Christ. Our churches should be growing, and, and there's no you know, exact science as to how quick we should go and how quick we should grow, but there should be if there's healthy, there should be some measure and some form of growth. And I feel that this is the issue, is a lack of the spiritual gift of, lead, of leadership. Now, I'm not saying it's more important than the other gifts, but the gift of leadership, the spiritual gift of leadership, has a, is, the, the, those people are uniquely equipped to come up with strategies and structures and provide opportunities for people to use the other gifts effectively. And so that's been my observation. Churches or ministries that, that flourish and are effective are led by leaders. 
leaders. You know, many churches have been preached to well, taught at well, and yet there's, there's a lack of, of growth. I think we need more leaders leading churches, more elders with the gift of leadership. And you could say every leader, every elder has the gift of leadership. I don't know. Some elders maybe have got the gift of pastoring or teaching or administration or generosity or hospitality. But there's a certain gift, and I pursue that gift. I don't say I've got a great gift of leadership, but I pursue it. And uh, so what do you do? What if you're leading a church and, well, and it's not growing, it's not flourishing? Maybe you should look for somebody else. I don't know. This is maybe quite controversial. Maybe there's somebody in your ranks that would be a great leader and you would be a fantastic 2RC. Maybe you are 2RC who's, who's leading and you shouldn't be leading. Maybe you should even hand your church over and maybe go get a job. You might even flourish in that job. I just find there's too many people in the wrong place with the wrong gifting. And we just need to use this time to strategically put people in the right places. That's my humble uh, submission to you. Maybe invite the NCMI team to even help some of you. <clears throat> but we need a lead. And we can't go back to, to normal. You know, um, when the president said we could go back to 50 in-person meetings, we went into in-person meetings. Yeah, I'm in our church hall. And we went into meetings into our homes. And initially, I'd left our leaders alone because it's a, it's a, it was a tough time. You know, you, you could, you can't, you know, we all were fearful or many were fearful initially. There was a lot of alarm given with Corona, like this lady with cancer. You know, you, know, you almost wanted to say, listen, we, we can't come to your house because you know how dangerous Corona is. You know, so like, you know, maybe wait for three weeks with your cancer because Corona is deadly. You know, we, like it doesn't make any logic, any sense, you know. And anyway, so us also people, it was difficult. People had to have their own conviction and their life was at stake, they felt. And, but I started to nudge. When I started to see that some of our leaders weren't coming to in person, I, would, I sent some video voice notes to them, video notes to them to say, listen, I see you haven't arrived, you haven't participated. And if you are in fear, I would be a bad lead, leader if I left you in fear. I'm coming. I want to come to your house. I, even if I talk through the window, I want to help you in your fear. If you... If you're comfortable and you don't want to come back because of comfort, I'm not going to tolerate that at all. And I'm going to, I'm going to nudge you. There were so many voices. People were listening to Hollywood actors and musicians and politicians and scientists and the medical field. But what about the shepherds? Uh, people were quoting the stats and quoting all these experts and not listening to the shepherds. I found that in our church that people weren't listening. I started to raise my voice. Not in that way, but I wanted my voice to be heard if if i'm a shepherd in their life you need to be I don't, I don't want to be the only voice but if i'm no voice what's the reality maybe you're not one of my sheep maybe i'm not your shepherd or maybe you're stubborn maybe you need to just a little wake up call and i started to nudge and push because people needed to need to hear the voice of the shepherd of course the chief shepherd jesus but also us as well i remember a lady uh, saying to my wife that uh, she said tony we can hear on Sunday online, Tony wants us to come back to a meeting, come back to the church, come back to the meetings. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to mobilize people. We don't want to go back to normal. We want to, we want to go back to, to, we don't want to go back to anything, to, a new, to, to normal. We want to go back on mission, not meetings. We, we're not about meetings. We're about people on mission and, and coming to, to meetings as part of that mission. So we started to, to nudge 
Um, I've got a few minutes left, five minutes left, and let me just uh, encourage you. You know, one of my home group leaders uh, said to me that he had spoken to his group and uh, the consensus in the group was that they're not going to start in-person meetings. And I said, hey, buddy, there's no consensus here. The church is not led by consensus or democracy. Is uh, We lead the people, of course, gently, yet firmly, compassionately, lovely and strong. But we need to, it's not a consensus, should we meet? We, we, we are meeting, the government says we can, and, and we feel we shouldn't. And how we work that out, we have to do that pastorally, I know. But uh, let me just close with a few last thoughts to say that let's not get, go back to using the pulpit as a stage we perform from. And I find uh, many of us have, have used the, the pulpit as a, as a stage to perform. And, and the people we perform to are the audience. The, the pulpit is a, is a place we minister from. And the people in the, in, the, in the congregation are our disciples who we minister to. Friends, it's not about showing people how good we are. And even this online thing is we can, we can be so caught up with trying to perform and show people how good we are. Let's, let's not go back. We stumbled uh, upon things that work. And we didn't get it all right. We, we don't have it all together. But uh, when lockdown was declared, we just... Uh, we had never done uh, online, hey, Claire? We had never done it, and this was new to us, and we had to find our way. And uh, the last meeting we had before the lockdown, I said to my team, I said, you know, maybe I should go to the front of the hall there and, and maybe preach, and you can record it. And they said, even my young son, my 21, he said, Dad, don't try and preach to us, man. Jeepers, that's going to be so like, <sighs> it's like, uh, he said, you know what's cool is, 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 is podcasts. You know, us young people, we watch podcasts, and they were listening to Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro and, and uh, Jordan Peterson, all these guys. And, and I thought, okay, so they got me to set me up in my office with a podcast vibe. And, and I started to have conversations from my office. It was a hit. People loved it. Not, you know, I felt I had, was lacking confidence, but we made lots of mistakes. You know, I had to get hold of Tristan from One Life. I said, buddy, you know, we, we, when we recorded, when I speak, you know, we, we hear it audio like a minute later. It was, it was, it was, it was like a dog show. And he got us to buy this little magic black box. You know, it really was like Mark Newman. I don't know if you've ever seen Mark Newman try to pull a, a Mick Jagger move. It's, it's ugly. It was, it was like that, you know. <laughs> so anyway, and my son had all the equipment and we put it all together. But the point I'm trying to make is we don't have, we don't have to have it all together. We just make a plan. We improvise as we move forward. And so, so we were tremendously fruitful. Our church grew. I think our church grew, the true church. Many backslidden people came. Uh, we had salvations. We did baptize a whole bunch of people. We had some healings. We did baby dedications. We, we dedicated a whole bunch of boys over this time. You know, last year we had so many boys as well, or children. They called them Eskim. Now our children are, I think, going to call them Corona or COVID because, I mean, what, what do you do during Corona? You watch Netflix and I don't know what else you do. But let's be courageous, friends, and let's lead and let's trust Jesus that our best days are ahead of us. Thank you for listening to me. May God bless you. Uh, may he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you peace and may his favor be upon you and your children and your children's children. God bless you. Thank you. Ciao.